So um, we've we've spent the last number of weeks um, somewhat diverted from this uh, series that I was giving on the Eightfold Path because we needed to do other things and um, really meet life where it is. Um, and this evening, I'd like to come back to the Eightfold Path, but um, I'm wanting to approach it from maybe a different angle. And um, I was thinking about what the Eightfold Path is, and, and I know that um, I've talked about it as a map. I was thinking about it today as it's, it's almost like an instruction manual, but it's not, um, it's not one that you pick up and it's really clear. You know, it's, it's one that takes time and takes um, practice and trying it out and failing and then succeeding and um, over time seeing the growth that is produced by following this path. And then I was thinking about the Eightfold Path and, and the name of Eightfold Path. And my mind went into images, which it often does. I often understand things in images more than in words. And so I love to play with words and images. And I started to think about the path actually folding. It's these eight folds that come together, which was never, is not the literal meaning. <laughs> but I started, um, I created this um, a kind of an accordion uh, here this evening thinking this would be a great way to share this with kids. And then I thought this would be a great way to share this with adults. Are you kidding? <laughs> Which is often the case. And so I just wanted to share this real quickly with you. I don't know how well you can see it and it's probably, is it backwards in, in the view? No? Okay, good. It's, it's backwards in my view, but that doesn't matter. I know it's on there. So you can see there's these three sections of the path. And so far, we've, we've discussed this first section, the se section of wisdom, and the first two um, folds, <laughs> we'll say, um, are, are in this section. And that's wise view or understanding and wise intention or resolve. So we've talked about that. And then you've got virtue or sila section here at the center of it all. And one way to look at this is just how central this part of the path is. I don't know how intentional it was that this be at the heart of, of what we do, of, of the instruction manual. Um, but I, I think there's something to it. There's something um, that's being pointed out here, just how important this section is. And we're going to spend some time with this this evening. We already did spend time with wise speech. So tonight, I'd like to look at wise action and livelihood. And then this last part of the path is the concentration and mindfulness meditation um, section, wise effort, wise, wise mindfulness and wise concentration. 
So we'll be going there eventually. But I just loved the image then of actually folding this up. We get this idea that it's this linear, okay, we do step one, step two, step three. But actually we're cultivating this path all together. And when we do that, we bring it all together and see it's just it's just one thing this path is really just one thing that we are making sense of it by creating a list you know I, i've shared before this is a, a verbal lineage things weren't written down um, at least in the location and in the traditions of where the buddha was from things were passed on verbally and so lists were really important so that what was passed on uh, could be remembered and, and passed on accurately. Um, so it helps us kind of have these categories and, and to have some sense of it all. But ultimately what we're, we're cultivating is something more like this. It's all coming together. But um, for our sanity, we're gonna <laughs> pull it apart and take a look at each piece so that we really understand it so that we have the ability, we know we have the choice to actually bring it together. So the central piece of, of, the, of the path here, sila. And sila often is translated as virtue. I think that's a, it's a good, translation actually into English um, but it's it, there's sometimes uh, I think um, different relationships with what that word means and so it can be a little tricky to take that in um, just the idea of oh I I must be virtuous sometimes especially as women where maybe that's been put upon us in some cultural way um, there can be real aversion that comes up. Maybe we'll just skip to the next section <laughs> of the path. I know it's important, but eh, I don't know if I really want to dive into it. So another way uh, that this is sometimes uh, um, translated is to be in harmony, to be in harmony with the truth, with how things are to be in harmony with the nature of things. And when we hear it in that way, there's something in us often that just takes a deep breath. Oh, that sounds so good. There's something about that that our minds and our hearts want this harmony with, with life. And so besides the wise speech, which um, is pulled apart from wise action so that we can really look at our, our language and the way we communicate, um, the way language and, and um, we communicate even within our own minds because it's such a powerful force. And so we took some time with that um, a number of weeks ago. And so this evening we'll go into the wise action piece. And in that, um, Traditionally, it's speaking about um, the ability to abstain or to uh, prevent uh, harm or the killing of living beings. 
sometimes translated as, from stealing, taking what's not given, what's not offered. You can think of that in, in, a, in a real large context, not just you know, borrowing, you know, borrowing, not giving back something of, of a friend's, but what do we take that's not actually offered? That can be so many things and historically so many things. To abstain from sexual misconduct, you know, not only just the physical, but also the, um, the energetic that sometimes uh, when we're spilling over our sexual energy and it's not welcomed, it can, it can cause a lot of harm. There can be a lot of unconsciousness there and a lot of harm there. And lastly, consuming toxins or intoxicants that often lead us to um, uh, causing harm in many ways. So the intoxicants themselves, they can be harmful to us, but then they also have this effect on our behaviors and our actions. I've given now several talks on this particular list. Um, sometimes I give it as the precepts. Um, I've given it in this context of the Eightfold Path and gone into each one. I decided I'm not gonna do that this evening. And that um, this evening, I, the question that kept coming up for me is how, how can we approach these, um, this wise action? Oh, in wise livelihood, which I got ahead of myself and forgot to describe, so I will circle back. But what, how can we approach the, this part of the path as a heart practice? How can we engage in this less from kind of a heady understanding of, okay, yes, these are the things that I'm not supposed to do, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> How can we actually be engaged with our mind, our body in this practice to make these come alive, to make it so that as we are developing, these become our natural way of living. So that's been the question on my mind and that's what I want to um, attempt at either answering or at least um, bringing into your own curiosity this evening. So this wise action and then kind of pulling back again to uh, the list but there's also wise livelihood that wise speech and wise livelihood have been teased out of wise act. It all falls really under wise action in a way. Um, how we are in the world, speaking to how, how are we in the world? How are we um, bringing our practice into all the things that we do, into all of our relationships? Um, and livelihood is, is one of those categories. So in short, this is abstaining from dishonest and harmful means of living. That can be many different things. And um, 
again, I'm, I'm not going to go into the fine detail of this, but just want it, want to put it uh, in your consciousness that this is part of what we're looking at in terms of wise uh, action. It's not only um, the simple moment-to-moment -moment actions, but also how are we um, making our livelihood? Uh, is there is it at the expense of other beings? Usually there is too. So if you're thinking, uh oh, <laughs> maybe I need a career change, you know, and maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Um, and and most of us, if we really keep looking, keep looking, keep looking we find ways in, in which there, there can be harm caused. And how can we refine this? How can we change those things? Um, so again, all of this is a practice. Um, so how do we bring this in as a heart practice? One of the ways that, that comes immediately to mind is um, that it's, these are all forms of dana. And we talk about dana, D-A-N-A, -A, um, which is often translated as generosity, the act of generosity. We usually often talk about dana in, in Dharma circles as, um, you know, the dana talk. You get the dana talk at the end of a retreat or a day long or something like that. Please, you know, support us through your generosity of financial means. And um, so we can continue doing what we're doing. Um, but Donna can be many different things. Donna is perhaps in, a, in its purest form is the way that we are in the world. When we are, when we're... Um, in alignment with the preciousness of life, not taking life, um, not harming others, not stealing, um, not causing harm through sex and sexuality, um, not consuming toxins and causing harm in that way. We're offering uh, many different things. It's a, a generosity of friendship. We're offering safety. We offer safe passage. The people around us can move by us without fear of being harmed in some way, that the things that they have on them will, will leave with them, that we're not taking what's not offered. Um, that their bodies are safe. This is a, it seems maybe like um, something that, of course, maybe you're thinking, of course, that's how I am. I'm already that way, but we don't always bring this kind of consciousness to it. Just how important this is, this act of generosity, that when we are living in a way in harmony, with, with life, that um, it is a gift. We're, we're offering a gift, this generosity. 
respect is another word that came to mind thinking when we when we live in this way there's this exchange of of respect it's so valuable and dana opens this up for, to this exchange so the dana can be offered without uh, without any expectation of getting anything back but the nature of generosity is that there it opens this doorway to an exchange of generosity and many of you have experienced this or you've witnessed it for others that there can be this um, abundance within generosity that when we are uh, this way with others it inspires people to be that way with you. It doesn't always work out, but there can be um, uh, not only this exchange, but this experience of trust in, in life that is created from the, this generate, generating of dana, of generosity. So how we, how we walk in our life, how we tread through our life uh, on this planet. You know, there's so much harm that has been done and is being done. And so it, it really does matter, each individual, every single person that can walk in this way within harmony and within peace with each other and with our earth makes a huge difference. And it makes a difference within our own individual life. When I think about walking the earth in, with peace and with the sila, I think of Thich Nhat Hanh immediately. I just think he was this embodiment of this, um, this quality, this ability, to whatever he was doing and every teaching he ever gave was in alignment with this. He says that when we walk like we are rushing, we print anxiety and sorrow on the earth. We have to walk in a way that we only print peace and serenity on the earth. Be aware of the contact between your feet and the earth. Walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. And I just love that. And he lived his life fully, fully in this way. And it sets a really high bar <laughs> for the rest of us who are touched by that and want that, you know. It does set a really high bar. But just even the slightest possibility of being able to do that, imagine what that peace looks like from the outside, what's being embodied on the inside, what level of happiness and contentment that brings in, what type of people that brings into our life, what opportunities that brings into our life.
that quote from him, it reminded me of when I came back from um, being away for about 10 months sailing down the coast of California and Mexico. And this was a few years ago now, and some of you know this about me, that my family and I, we lived on a sailboat for many years and only recently have been in a house. Um, only actually really close to the beginning of COVID, we moved into a house. So we've been on a sailboat for, I think I, I, I think it was close to 10 years, me and my, my partner. And then my son was born only knowing a sailboat. <laughs> and at one point the, in the dream was that we would sail, <laughs> that we would go and travel on this, on our, on our home. And we did for a period of time for 10 months. And um, we spent a lot of that time in Mexico and that time being on the water, it is, it was pretty isolated in many ways, although um, we met a lot of people on the way and we sailed with a lot of people. We met a lot of people when we went to Mexico, people in the community and sailors doing similar things. Um, but there was such a simpleness to our life and our lifestyle you can only bring so much on a boat. <laughs> if you buy a new pair of shoes, another pair's got to go. That's kind of how it works. And so there was, there wasn't, you know, there, there was a simplicity to it. And so at some point we, we had to come back. Um, we came back before we thought we, we would, we came back. And so a lot of people were asking, well, how is it, how is it being back? Um, and the best way I could describe my feeling around it was that here, you know, coming back to the San Francisco Bay Area, there's so much clutter. That's what, that's all I could say was there's so much clutter here. And it was more than just the physical stuff, although that was, you know, just going into a supermarket was overwhelming for <laughs> quite some time, just the the too much variety, too much available, you know, how many tomato sauces do you really need to choose from? <laughs> and then there was more than that, though. It was more than the physical um, clutter. There was, there was this, just a constant rushing and that anxiety that Thich Nhat Hanh is, is speaking to. And when we walk like we are rushing, we print anxiety and sorrow on the earth. I could, it was so um, tangible. There was all this stuff between everyone because there wasn't any simpleness. It was hard to find the through line to each other. Uh, and then at some point that no normalized. And so now I don't have that feeling, but it was very strong when I first got back. And so what, what does get in the way? There's this high bar. Can we live our life in a way where each step is a step of healing? That whatever we're doing is in this harmony and not causing, not causing harm. Each interaction is done with heart. What would that be like? Our, we can let our imagination take hold there. 
So the question is, well, then what is it that gets in the way of that? What if that is our truest nature to be able to do that? What if that is our truest nature? If all the clutter was, was pulled away and what was left was this ability to be more in alignment with truth and in harmony with the nature of things. So what gets in the way? And the Buddha would say ignorance is what gets in the way, which is another way of saying that we just don't completely understand. We're not grasping those truths completely until we're, we're awake. You know, as long as the clutter is there in our minds and maybe even within our, our physical life, then uh, it's just too muddled. It's too hard to see clearly. We don't understand the preciousness of life and our connection with others. This is from the Dharmapada, which is said to be the utterances of the Buddha. And this one's called harmlessness. All beings tremble before violence. All fear death. All love life. See yourself in others. Then whom can you hurt? What harm can you do? She who seeks happiness by hurting those who seek happiness will never find happiness. For your fellow person is like you. They want to be happy. Never harm them. And when you leave this life, you too will find happiness. Speaking to this connection of the harm that we do, it, it's, it's harming ourselves, it's not just harming others. But then the non-harm that we do, you can always flip it. The non-harm that we do, what does that do to us? What does that do to our, to our minds and our sense of ease and peace? It's a gift not only to other people, but it's a gift to ourselves that we're not excluded from that gifting. David Stendhal Rast, who I also find incredibly inspiring, um, who's a Benedictine, uh, Benedict monk, um, who if, you don't, if you're not familiar with him, you can Google him later on his, uh, he's got a, uh, I think it's a, a TED talk or some, something on YouTube. He's got a bunch on YouTube and he talks often about uh, the preciousness of life and that every moment is a gift. And that gratitude is, is um, a main theme in his teachings. And so he talks in the same way as the Buddha, but almost in the opposite, using an opposite language, saying that instead of, you know, what gets in the way is ignorance, he would say that what helps us get out of the way is trust. That there has to be, at the beginning, he would say there would have to be this trust, this trust that comes from this heart, this heart's ability to be open. Trusting that the unfolding of life, that, that everything is a gift. 
whether you wanted it to happen or not, whether it's a tragedy or some great success in your life, that everything that comes in some way is a gift because life is a gift. That every single step forward we make in our life is a gift. And he lives his life in that way, similar to Thich Nhat Hanh. He says, everything is a gift. The degree to which we are awake to this truth is a measure of our gratefulness and gratefulness is a measure of our aliveness. So I'll just end with this, just a reflection that when we connect to life as precious, which to be in alignment with Sila is, is to connect from the heart, this heart-mind, knowing that life is precious. We care for life uh, from our heart. We care for each other from our heart, that it's not some intellectual thing or a should and shouldn't thing, a good or a bad thing. It's coming from something deeper, this deeper knowing and understanding. When life is a gift, there's a sense of abundance, even in the mundane. It's not the abundance that sometimes our society calls abundance. An abundance of just everything that is here in each moment. It's in our relationships especially those that um, we would take for granted otherwise, or maybe we do take for granted. It's in the strangers uh, who are on this earth with us that we take for granted often. When we begin to value them, and value all of us as kin instead of others, what that does to our mind state, what that does to our ability to, to very easily walk this part of the path of non-harming. So I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this. I'd like to open it up. We have time for some discussion and share. What is this touch in you? What does it bring up? Does it seem possible? Does it seem just so out of reach? Yeah, Joni. I think 
I think it's possible. I think I have seen and felt moments of it. And I think it does have a lot to do with um, slowing down and living at a different pace, which is, which kind of makes me think of your um, living at sea and that living, living within our society and in our capitalist system, the way things are here, at least, these things are much harder to do. And so finding a way with, within this culture to live differently, to me, really starts with like having this fundamental stuff really forefront in my mind. Like that's, that's what I need to be constantly reminded of, constantly thinking of, you know, like the times when I put the five precepts up on, you know, tape it up on the wall because I need it right there. Not that I'm going to go around lying and stealing and all that, because it's not really about that. It's about remembering that it is, um, it is a practice to think about it, not just to do it, but also to dwell on it and think about the value of it. And I think for me, taking the time to do that is, um, I, feel, I feel privileged that I have had some time to do that or that I'm able to take the time to do that. And and I don't know, you know, if everyone feels like they have or can take that time. And so that's, that feels like a bit of a conundrum to me. Thanks, Joni. Yeah, I mean, the Buddhist uh, framing is so helpful, but it doesn't, it's not really a Buddhist thing. You know, you don't have to be able to have the time to go on retreats or to engage in a full-time practice. I do think in a way, there's so many different avenues for this, just making the choice on a daily basis, not to cause harm and to be engaged in the world in a way that is bringing more of this peace that we're talking about. Some of you um, have heard of the death of Mario Gonzalez, who um, died in police custody, I think it was a couple weeks ago um, in Alameda. Uh, and it actually happened right here um, on my street. It happened just down, um, down on the corner from, from us. And we were, um, I didn't witness witness the events, but I witnessed all of the activity, the police and fire trucks and all of that. And the memorial is is right is right next to my house. And um, so there's been this witnessing from our street, which is this very otherwise pretty quiet, 
everyone knows each other, um, close-knit community. And um, I, was, I was really moved by um, someone who, one of the, the neighbors who put out an email to all of us saying, we need to show up, we need to, we need to go to the memorial which people were already planning on, it turned out, but she, she asked that we did to, to not only pay our respects, but also to um, just convey our, our sorrow that this happened in our home, that this, you know, that these were, these are our police, um, that these are, this is our community and that this, this happened here. And, um, you know, they, they don't know yet. Um, they've, they've released some footage of uh, the body cam footage and they've, there's a lot of speculation that this was, this didn't go down. Well, we know it didn't go down right because he died um, and he wasn't doing anything that, that equaled that as a, as a punishment. And um and so there's just great sorrow, but there's, there was also this way in which I was so proud of our, our street to and people showing up and um, stepping into that, that sorrow, that it wasn't just a passive, you know, well, we didn't know him or, you know, we didn't do it. You know, it just happened to be on our street. There was real ownership of, this happened on our street. And sometimes Sila looks like this. Sometimes it's um, just this choice to step into, into that, to be in harmony with what's real, what's true. And um, it can look like many different things. Peace can look like so many different things. Sometimes it's sitting on your cushion and sometimes it's, it's something out in, in the community. Thank you. That, that helps me see it in, in real time, everyday action, not just in having to slow things down, but in an attitude towards what you're doing, regardless of the pace. Mm -hmm. A few more minutes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, B. Um, sort of on a more mundane level, when you were talking about living on the boat, I was thinking about, you know, you were forced to reduce your possessions and be very thoughtful about what you had and how hard it is living, you know, amidst all this excess to maintain that mindset. You know, I, one day I'm 
like, well, I don't need another thing. And I don't want to throw things out and get them in the waste stream either. You know, then the next day I'm like, I'd really like some new China, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it just takes, even at that level, it's just, it takes a real commitment, I think, to the, um, to live it. Yeah. And, yeah, not easy. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's, it is our privileges of being able to even have those abilities to, you know, say, I, I want new China or I want a new, you know, couch or I want a new car, whatever it is. Uh, these things that we, we call privilege are, are also, um, you know, they, they end up really being part of the cycle of suffering that we enter, that we, it keeps us in this cycle. Um, you know, we can go back to those, those traditional three, what they call them poisons in Buddhism, of greed, hatred, delusion, that are all born from that ignorance that I was talking about. And that those three, when we aren't conscious of it, and those are what's driving, you know, even, even if we can't see the harm, we can, we can, you know, later on usually track it, that there's some harm that's been done, whether it's to the planet or, you know, to, to someone we maybe don't know. Um, they're very strong forces. They are really strong forces. They, they're strong in, in the world right now. But these other forces of compassion, of peacefulness, of gratitude, of generosity, they seem like light spirituality. You know, sometimes they get put in this box of, yeah, that's nice. Those are nice. Those are nice things <laughs> to have. But without them, what do we have? It's everything. It's everything. It's though they're so powerful and so important. And when we can bring to mind the people who we've witnessed in some way, whether they were close to us or we've just known them from afar, um, those people who have lived and walked their life in that way, we can see the power. They radiate that power that comes from a heart that is truly in alignment with Sila. And so in a way, it's this path, it's asking us to, to realign with something realign with something that's already there within us. It's just we've, it's all that clutter in the way. If we can realign with it on a daily basis, come back into connection with it, into that truer nature, uh, more and more, it becomes, it, it, we live that true nature. We can live out that true nature in our, in whatever form that takes within us. We don't all have to be Thich Nhat Hanh walking so slowly, kissing the earth with every step. Maybe that's not quite us. <laughs> it was not quite, you know, 
what it's going to look like, but it might, it'll, it'll come through you in your own form. So I hope this is interesting and inspiring um, to think about this further and to see how to, how to bring this into your own life. Um, yeah, we'll end there, we're, we're past time. So I'll dedicate the merit, another very peaceful act. And we take the time to just bring consciousness, to bring awareness to the value of our practice, to its benefits, that these benefits do benefit us, but that they also ripple out in ways that sometimes we see, we get to, to see it, how this works. And then sometimes uh, this practice, it ripples out in ways we can't even begin to understand. A force of this, of sila into the world. So may it be for the benefit of all beings everywhere, in all directions, excluding none. May we all be happy and content. May we all be safe from inner and outer harm. May we all be healthy in mind and body. May we all be free. May all beings be free. Okay, everyone, take good care of yourselves. Thanks for coming this evening. You too. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Thank, Thank you, Kate. Kate. Good to see everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much.